Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Interrobangs Red Couch Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Kohler, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Finch Neves. How are you doing? Uh, great. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm very happy to have you on. We've been talking about it for a little bit, so I'm really happy to get you on board. Uh, so just to kind of get immediately right into it, I want to introduce the audience a little to you. Can you just give like a quick little 30-second synopsis of your entire life for me, please? Oh, yeah. Easy, right? <laughs> such, such an easy task. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a second-year uh, radio student at Fanshawe. Um, I, prior to coming to school, because I'm a little bit old, married man, uh, I was a, uh, a writer, got a few publications under my name and stuff, and decided to come back because I was miserable. I'm in the same boat, I mean, different, but kind of I follow the same sort of a little path where I was miserable in what I was doing, so I was like, I oh, might as well. Yeah, and here we are. And here we are. Who would have thought? Who would have? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> and so getting right into some of the, the writing and reporting side, because you are on the Interrobang team with us this year. Um, by the time that this episode comes out, we will have had our arts and music issue on the shelves for about a week. Can you just talk about some of the articles that you wrote for that uh, for that issue? Yeah. Um, so I only wrote one for this issue. I wrote one. I wrote a highlight piece on a, uh, a band from our music industry arts program called Carmine. Uh, and so Carmine came on to Studio Red, our our live music program that the radio puts on. Uh, and we had some some technical difficulties. We were incorporating a lot of new systems, a lot of new gear, uh, and we ended up with some of the data kind of getting corrupted. Mm. And we only had about two songs from their, their I think, five-song set Excuse me, that uh, really came out cleanly. And I hated the idea of them not getting radio play because they couldn't fill the time. So I, I pulled them back into a studio uh, and we did like a good 20 minute interview. The guys were great. We were laughing, having a great time. They have a real like strong bond uh, that really shone through. That relationship was really clear. Um, and so uh, we've kind of gotten along since. And then when I got the opportunity to write about up and coming bands from Fanshawe, I was like, oh, why would I not highlight my boys? You know, why would I not shout them out to the world? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, and it's nice just developing those kind of relationships with with teams and groups like that just down the line. Because oftentimes a lot of people just see it at kind of face value of like, oh, this is the band, this is the group. But then yeah, there's like personalities and everything going on inside of it. So it's nice to just get to know them a little bit more. And I tried to highlight that too in the article. Uh, there's I talk about these moments where one of them kills a guitar solo, and you see all of them make eye contact and just smile. Like there's just this <laughs> this joy that just rides through their whole performance. They just love playing together. Oh. Well, and that's also just great to see because there are some instances, uh, Studio Red Live and not Studio Red Live across the board, just in the arts industry, where it just does not look like they're having fun sometimes. And that's such an important part of building that relationship, not just with the bandmates, but then also with an audience as well, just seeing that they're having a great time doing it. So Yeah. And, and they're also, they, they're a very kind of niche genre, mm -hmm. but each of them is a very skilled musician. Um, and it's not a lot of bands that I think can make a three guitar sound work like with a bass as an extra Ooh. right that's that's a lot of of kind of a shared responsibility and they've they've broken it up in this really interesting way in that they have the one guy only does what he calls like kind of dark ambient uh bassy melodies okay that kind of make up the the backbone along with the bass uh the bass almost takes a more like percussive rhythmic job and he takes a lot of the kind of like filling dark uh rich sound of the back end of their their music, and then the other two guitars kind of split up, uh, like lead and main melody, Ooh, and it adds a okay. really great depth. Oh, 
Well, I like it because it also gives the sounds their own little bit of a personality as well, which is really cool. Uh, and so for those who don't know, we mentioned Studio Red Live. Can you just kind of explain what that is for some people who maybe don't know what that actually is with Fanshawe? Yeah, so uh, the radio program puts on a a kind of a weekly show, we'll call it, called Studio Red Live. Uh, we This year are partnering with TV and film to have like a, a nice film crew out. They're recording it. They uh, actually have a live stream running through Fanshawe TV and film as well as I think to our – we were doing to – Facebook before I believe now we're doing to YouTube because of Bill uh, C-118 oh, yeah. yeah um and we have bands either local or connections that we have or ideally MIA bands uh, music industry arts they come in they do a show we have our talk students for the radio program come and interview them and host uh and we just try to put on as good of a music show as we can uh and then it re-airs the audio only on Sundays at 8 30 p.m on the X which is really cool, especially for us as the, the the journalism students who also share that space. So it means kind of once a week we get to just watch a little show as well, which is fun. There's been some really, really good groups so far this year. Have there been any that have kind of stood out for you that you've either covered or helped participate in or across the board? I know you would have done a few up to this point in first year and second year. Are there any kind of ones that you loved? Yeah, so I'm lucky in that um, they didn't have a ton of people in promotions last year, so they needed some help. And uh, I volunteered to help one time when they were short because someone was sick, and they asked if I would stay on going forwards. So I got to work on it from the tech side all last year. Uh, and last year, there was a band uh, called Andre Mofka and the Reflections. Uh, they're now graduated, London band, absolutely phenomenal. Just saw them do a show uh, at Poacher's Arms a couple weeks ago. Blew me away. So good. Um, and then this year, got uh, Carmine. I love them. They're, they're doing their first show in January at the Social Bowl. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should go. <laughs> and, um, and then Trinity as well. Trinity is technically a solo act. However, she works with a band. Mm -hmm. And oh my goodness, this, this lady has pipes. It is crazy. She did, I'm going to say the best cover I've ever heard of uh, House of the Rising Sun. Ooh. Oh okay, my gosh. Okay. I got chills. I really wish I'd had the chance to host that one just because I would have loved to kind of build off that energy. Ugh. Well, and just to kind of see the upcoming talent too, local or otherwise, of people with a fan shot, just cool to sort of see where people are getting their starting from. Mm -hmm. Have you ever kind of thought of like, oh, this act that I'm watching could end up being this huge, big thing one day, and I'm just kind of on the inside scoop of it? It's, it's more than that thought. It's a, a general and genuine, like, practice to try and shape that. Mm -hmm. We want to give them radio play. We want them to, to be a part, not just of our brand, but of our community. Mm -hmm. And we, we want to see our community support them too. So we, we don't just shoot it and leave it. We love, we check in with them, you know? We, we'd love to see if we can help them out. If they are releasing an EP, sometimes we see if we can have them come back in. Maybe we, uh, we have them on Studio Red and we play their stuff for a week in advance, even if it doesn't really fit our sound. Just want to support them. We did that with um, Lost in Japan. Okay, yep. Uh, a band on tour across Canada and the States right now. Uh, but originally from Fanshawe, we had them back on uh, as graduates, uh, just as our first show this year. They were stellar, so much fun to work with, just absolutely down to earth guys. And we got to play a little bit more of them on the station. You know, we wanted, we wanted our viewers to care about why they were playing for us. Mm. And also we wanted to reintroduce more of London uh, to their sound. It's spectacular. And for some of these shows, you kind of mentioned that there's a lot of different angles that go into it, not just the band, but then hosting and audio and video work. Is there a specific portion of that whole mix that you love and kind of prefer doing? Hmm. 
I, it's not a formal job as much as it's a part of one. My favorite is just getting to work with the bands uh, like pre and post. Mm. I like to talk to them about like what their ambitions are, what we can highlight, what we can do to really make them shine. I like to sit down with them in a pre-interview when I'm hosting and hear about you know, what, what led to you writing the song, what was impactful to you, are you comfortable like sharing this information with this audience and can we try to really build a connection? So that's, I think that like that really formative piece where you like feel like you, you played such an active role in this coming together as a special piece to me is more rewarding than even doing a great mix or a great interview on set. Because um, I feel like the, the first thing that makes every good performance is those, those musicians feeling at home. Which is just great, not only for like their comfort level, but then also it kind of attributes to the end product that comes out in the show too. If they're feeling tense coming in, mm -hmm. that'll show and the audience will see and hear that for sure. So if you kind of ease them into it, make them feel comfortable, make them feel really welcomed, that 100% comes across. Uh, and so I, I can also super attest to that. I know you hosted just a few weeks back, and uh, and I think every time I looked over, you were talking with uh, with the group, the artists that were there. So I can 100% super attribute to that, which is spectacular. Uh, and so we've talked a little bit about Studio Red, uh, with this being the arts and music issue that's been out. I want to talk to you a little bit about your personal music tastes as well and things on that front, which I know can sometimes be a difficult question, talking about people's favorite music, what they're listening to. But... Thought I'd give it a shot anyway. Oh, I'm happy. <laughs> uh, is there is there a kind of genre that you find yourself defaulting to a lot of times when it comes to the music li you listen to? Yeah, I grew up really loving rock and old rock, especially. The first um, like piece of music I ever bought was uh, the MTV Unplugged version of the Nirvana album. Nice. That was okay. yeah. Spectacular. Um, but uh, as I've gotten older, I, I kind of shed some of my elitism, realized how. Um, how absurd the idea of me thinking that I could only like one thing was and uh, really experimented and started to grow. I think it started with um, loving the bass in, in Tool songs, actually, to realizing that there were elements of that, like that bass and that rhythm that came through in like some lo-fi and some EDM, which slowly led into rap. And nice. I, I would say that I happily listen to any genre so long as it like fits my tastes. Um, I struggle. I struggle with really heavy like screamo and I struggle with country, especially modern country. Um, country especially more so because of the subject matter. No, that's fair. And that, yeah, that makes sense. Some people need to kind of relate more to the, the beat and sort of uh, kind of more emotionally relate to that. Some people need to go more for the lyrics and the actual, what the song is trying to convey on that front. So I 100% understand that. Uh, and so this one might be a difficult question because I know it is for me. If you were had to listen to only one specific era of music, whether that be like 60s, 70s, like 70s pop, 60s, anything like that, what's one niche timeline that you would kind of stick to? I got a weird one for you. Oh, yeah? Uh, if it wasn't like 80s or 90s rock, which I do really love, as well as like 60s rock is great, I think I, I would go specifically like... 80s, 90s, Japanese city. That's such a good... Yeah, oh, there's so much variety. There's so many different great voices. You've got some people that really implement some like jazz in there and some people that very much go for a little bit of funk, you know? Yep. 
and, and you can't go wrong with plastic love. Plastic love is so good. Oh man, such a uh, or like um, uh, uh, Fly Day Chinatown. I think is also in that kind of general. There's so many good ones. That's a great pick. Uh, it's just it's fun, you know. And it, it I think it matches to whatever mood you have. There are there are sad ones. There are happy ones. There are energetic ones. There are slow ones. It's a genre that encompasses a lot more broad sounds and feels and uh, inspirations of music. I feel like than some others may. I love that. Um, yeah, usually, I think anyone who I usually talk to will know that I super sit with ABBA. And so my usual default is like 70s disco. If I had to pick one niche to only listen to, or kind of like a late 80s synth, kind of like Dreamwave sort of a vibe okay. kind of a thing. But uh, yeah, I get only secretly judged for my innate love of ABBA. ABBA's fun. I love ABBA. Well, we've had debates, I think it was during the summer, because you were on the, the summer radio team, I was on the summer journalism team, and I think we've had talks and debates. Who was it who was super against ABBA? I know there was one person. I don't know. I don't think it was you. I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, I will start fights with people who say they don't like ABBA. I am ready to tear some heads off. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyways, you kind of lightly covered my next question, which was about genres you don't like, uh, which was country and, uh, like, kind of heavy screamo which i again super understand i like being able to i in those two comparisons of like relating more to the music or relating more to the lyrics i'm more on the lyric side as well so screamo it's just sometimes tougher to really interpret what they're saying in some instances it can be a little more aggressive than you know my 70s disco kind of taste um and then same with country have never been able to really get into it there's some early maybe like 80s 90s country that i would remember listening to with my family that mm -hmm is one thing but like you said modern country is not my perfect cup of tea which might get some flack for some of the people who are watching and listening yeah i mean at the end of the day johnny cash is considered country right mm -hmm. and i don't think anyone's denying the man in black his his titles his accolades um i i'm more mo modern country i struggle with and again it's the subject matter it's not even just that i don't relate to the lyrics i find a lot of them really like degrading and demeaning towards women no that's fair um that's fair. and i i just you know i I struggle when I hear these these songs that that speak. First off, they they tie people into these tiny little corners, uh, and then second off, I feel like they they rob them of so much of their their freedom and their expression. And sometimes they'll talk about freedom and expression in ways that paint them as if they're like whining or illogical. And I just feel like that's so contrary to what so much of music is about. And before we go too far down this line, of course, there are some country artists who are complete yes. opposite don't super follow that um but i i definitely kind of when you think of your your default stereotypical kind of country song in your head most people will kind of think along that same sort of a vein so yeah I, I don't even want to call it the the general i i think i want to say that there's just unfortunately a, a patternistic situation within the modern mainstream mm. but i don't want to call it general because i don't want to write off that yeah. large of a genre and I'm sure there's a lot of people in there that put a lot of work into having the opposite effect. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Just a few too many bad eggs. Um, and so in terms of music, what are you listening to right now? What was the last kind of thing you added to the playlist that you listen to on a regular basis? Yeah, I've really, really been into some like fun guitar licks with some kind of old R&B style vocals. Um, there's one song, I can't remember the, the artist, but it's called uh, Must Have Been a Ghost. Okay. And it is killer. I'll show it to you later. Um, but then, like, uh, broke uh, and take me. To, uh, sorry, take yourself to church. Who's 
Oh, take uh, Hosier. Uh, take no. me to church. Not Hosier. I do love Hosier, yeah, right. but uh, no, he's um. Oh goodness, I'm trying to remember the name, but uh, I can speak more to some other people that do it. Uh, old Steve Lacey does it a lot. Um, some Frank Ocean does it. I love uh, Steve Lacey's Dark Red. Um, it's the first song I learned how to play on bass. Absolutely nice. love love that little bass lick. Um, so yeah, I, right now I'm really into this. Almost, I would say they're so R&B inspired that you could almost just call them R&B instead of hip hop. But they, they've got these really groovy, interesting, fun, almost like sometimes some Jimi Hendrix-esque guitar okay. licks in there. And then these really just smooth, beautiful, almost gospel-esque vocals. They're great. Ugh. I think the last things I added were, uh, I listened to a lot of Half Moon Run, so kind of indie rock, and especially okay. since I believe they're in town as of recording today, um, put, putting on a concert. Uh, or going back and listening to some uh, AHA, which is a, a Swedish group. It was really big in the 80s, 90s, that my mom in particular was obsessed with. I think we have every single CD of theirs. Really? Yeah. Yep, abs and she still asks for like different vinyls and different like concert recordings every year during the holidays. And so I kind of went back on a little bit of a binge of those and- I'm doing one better, I'm just finding it. Oh, you actually <laughs> yeah, uh, although I'm realizing, oh, sorry, it's from, uh, the Must Have Been a Ghost is from Proxima Parada. Okay. It is truly phenomenal. Um, and I also am noticing on here that I feel like it's worth mentioning. Uh, people can make fun of me for this as much as they want. Some anime soundtrack slap, man. Uh, Kickback was the, apparently oh. my most recently added, the theme song for Chainsaw Man. Oh, I, I went on a huge binge when I was younger of all the different Gundam Seed intros and songs that were on there because some of them are just really good in anime. Just not even openings, but yeah, just soundtracks in general are so good. I'll listen to OSTs from uh, like anime that I don't watch. Yep. Like Gintama's whole soundtrack is killer. And I don't really like the comedy in it that much. Oh, yeah. But oh my gosh, they have this band called Spy Air do all of their openings pretty much. Mm -hmm. And these guys just absolutely kill it. It's just absolutely unbelievable guitar riffs and really impressive vocals. Oh, that's like, have you seen, uh, It's I think it's called Kakegururui, which is a, it's like a, a school gambling anime. Oh yeah. And the start of it, the intro is this spectacular kind of jazz number that mm -hmm. they do and it's so good. I mean, even like Tank from Cowboy Bebop. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Classic. Great one. Anime really does not, like I know that J Japanese rock, like J-Rock is often their go-to, but by no means is there not some branch out. Which you love to see, keeps oh, yeah. it all interesting. Um, and so going back into journalism a little bit, into what we're doing, into the paper, our next issue coming up is going to be our holiday issue. Uh, what stories do you plan on covering for that one that's coming up? Yeah, so uh, the, the first one that I, I wanted to cover was like students are, especially right now, I think probably more than ever, struggling financially. Um, it's, it's really difficult to, to make plans and budget and then you go to the grocery store and you see that the price has risen since last week, you get to the uh, counter and it's actually not even right on the shelves, it's risen twice in a week, you know? We've all seen it, um, but for a lot of people, the holidays, regardless of if you, you celebrate or not, uh, people love to give gifts to their loved ones, it's this kind of warm time, and you'd like it to be separate from, from those financial needs, but it never can be, especially in, in today's economy. So I, I really wanted to cover how valid of an option secondhand stores can be for gift giving and that if you put the care into it and you 
you know what the person wants and you're willing to clean things up that you can get sometimes a better gift than you ever could get at a regular store there. I wanted to kind of write to that. I think that's spectacular, especially not just from kind of like you said, how tough it is financially for for people across the country and students in particular right now, especially coming up to this time of year where there's these sort of expectations in place, especially on some people and some families to get everybody gifts and the financial burden that comes with that. But I like that also just for the, the message of like, it more comes down to what you're catering to the person you're buying for rather than just the thing itself. So that's a great little message. How's that been writing it so far? Uh, it's been fun. I'm trying to, f I really want to tie into that. Like, Hey, maybe you just make it yourself. Have a little fun with it. Like, I think my favorite gift I've ever given my wife is I, I learned how to, to program CNC machines. Okay. Uh, and I built her a, a bookshelf for all of her D and D books. That's uh, shaped like a dragon's head. Oh, that's super cool. That's spectacular. Whoa, <laughs> that's cool. And you know, like I learned how to like stain and finish wood and I, I did it all myself. And at the end of it, like, I'm not going to pretend it's perfect. You know, you're going to, but she loved it. And I felt like it was by far the most like thoughtful gift I'd given because of how much I was willing to put into it. Which doesn't happen very often. A lot of people kind of default to like, oh, I have to spend this much on this person. Exactly. It's not really a gift for them. Uh, but that's, that's really cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so just to wrap up as we're getting to the tail end of this, usually I like to ask people who I have on the show uh, what I call my little lightning rounds, which are quick little questions just to help the audience, the people listening, people watching, learn a little bit more about you. I think I've done this almost every single time now, so it has become a little tradition and a routine for me. But the big key thing is to just answer as quick as possible. Do my best. Nothing's going to be too major. Uh, I won't ask for your social insurance number or anything like that. Mother's maiden name. <laughs> yeah, first pet, favorite teacher. We're going <laughs> to... Uh, so right off the bat, do you have a favorite food? No, um, <laughs> I, if, if you if I need to pick one quickly, it's uh, Portuguese octopus stew. You went from zero answer to the like an incredibly specific answer. I, I love too much food. I went to culinary school, man. Oh, okay. I do a lot of cooking. There you go. Uh, do you have a, a favorite spot in town for that in particular? Uh, there's no restaurants that I've found in London that serve it. But if if I can recommend a food I love at a place I love. Um, in uh, on Warrencliffe in Oxford, there's a place called Potato Noodle, and their Chinese cold noodles are mind-blowingly good. And eight bucks. And there we go. And uh, there's also a niche out. There's a, a missing food in London for whatever restaurant owner wants to. Yeah, get into Portuguese. Get into. Por <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite movie? Uh, it's called Her, and it's got Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Yeah, that's a good pick. I'll, I'll keep this quick because I know it's lightning round. You know that they rented out a huge amount of the roof space around that whole area where the apartment was so they could put mirrors on it to shine lights in so that it would feel natural and warm? Oh, yeah. that's a cool little touch. That's pretty. I love it when, when people who make movies kind of go more for practical ways of getting those effects rather than either just doing it in post or finding like really easy kind of cutarounds for it. That's a really cool little detail and a great movie for those who haven't seen it. Weird, though. Uh, do you prefer summer or winter? Winter. You prefer winter? Okay. I overheat easily. Ah, okay. I just hate snow. Uh, city or country? I guess city. It's um, a tough one for me, too. I totally get that. Ideals of both, right? Like, well, I have some family who are, uh, like, my family, I was born and raised in London, so I'm naturally used to this city. But then I have, uh, like, my one family owns a farm, so I'm used to being out in the country. But then I love Toronto and the bigger spaces, so I kind of get that. Yeah. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Do love tea though. Tea is pretty great. A good chai is awesome. Yeah, I find it depends on the tea. Whereas more, I'm I'm a bit more loose when it comes to coffee. I'll just down anything, whether it's good yeah. or bad. But I do love good coffee. 
good co- oh yeah 100 percent uh do you have a favorite hobby um i think the one that i'm gonna say is the most fun not like favorite is just playing guitar nice i get that it's relaxing i just picked up a new bass that i have just been recovering blisters from from playing on that and uh so i've been playing through a lot of like paramore and my chemical romance and it's just tons of fun i love it it's just something calming but yeah really fun about playing guitar if you want a pretty easy level one that's a lot of fun to play uh lips of an angel by c they're so fun oh that's i'll have to write that one down actually uh, and final little question for you. Is there a celebrity, I guess I'll say dead or alive, that you'd love to have dinner with? I mean, a lot of them. Um, I think if I were really to pick one that I feel like there's there's things that they could tell me that would, would change my outlook on life, I'd love to speak with Freddie Mercury. That's a great pick. Yeah, I'd love to hear about his trials and his tribulations, his struggle with identity, and what led him to being so confident to broadcast to the world who he was regardless of the the negative feedback he'd get and the clash he'd get and how he was able to overcome that and how that felt that's a really good answer i like that a lot i would i think i usually default to gene wilder just because gene wilder is spectacular and uh, i'd actually more recently i i thought of i'd actually love to have dinner with andre the giant That'd be spectacular. Uh, also, just because Princess Bride is one of my favorite movies of all time, and then just talking about his his career, differences integrating onto the sets, and just kind of the the pros and cons of his size and just living life and going about on a regular basis. So, can I offer a quick second one too? Go for it. Uh, there's a writer who I'm going to say is my favorite author of all time, named David Eddings. Uh, very, very vague in the fantasy scene. Uh, a lot of what we consider as natural fantasy tropes were invented by him. The idea of the like charismatic pickpocket rogue acrobat is his character Silk. He invented that, you know? This big lumbering behemoth of a warrior that's got the heart of like a lion, but it's just so kind. That's Barak uh, or Barak, depending on the narrator. <laughs> uh, and, you know, like there's all these these things that have become archetypes that everyone in the writing sphere fantasy based things off of D bases stuff off of david eddings baby i think people have been trying especially movie and television studios have been trying to get some david eddings work off the ground but they've had just i've never been able to see any actually get traction i've seen rumors and rumors for years and years and years never seen anything actually get off the ground for it. i would adore watching a like a netflix uh version of the belgariad oh well there's so much content to pull from like i feel like it's just easy money at that point and yeah, so that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate having you. Thanks for having me, and thanks for watching. You should check out our our live Studio Red that's playing uh, December 24th at 8.30 p.m. It'll be an hour of <laughs> holiday special. And then it'll be airing on two separate instances, kind of split down the middle in through December, I believe. And there we go. And then thank you for watching and for listening this episode of the Interrobangs Red Couch podcast. Uh, you can find all the stuff that we talked about as well as some of our articles on our website at theinterrobang.ca or you can check out our social media pages at interrobang underscore FSU and you can listen to this episode on YouTube if you're watching or anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, all the works. And so thank you so much for listening or watching. Take care.